Well, so good to be with you guys. Good to see some folks that I haven't seen in uh, just a, a few weeks, some in a few months, and it's just good to be together. Good to see, uh, well, not really see, but to have the folks that are watching online with us as well. Welcome to you all. Hey, uh, by now, probably everybody in here, whether you're a sports fan or not, you watch football or not, not you're familiar with the name Damar Hamlin. Damar Hamlin. And if you're not, let me just bring you up to speed. So DeMar is a defensive back for the Buffalo Bills. And on Monday night, he was playing in a football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I happened to be watching at this point. And he made a tackle, um, just looked like an ordinary tackle, nothing spectacular. Didn't look like a, a severe collision or anything. And, and then he just stood up and he fell backwards. And all of a sudden, you could tell something uh, was, was really seriously wrong. The medical personnel come to the field, and, and then quickly ESPN went to commercial. And then when they came back, the commentators were shook. And, and there was a, a somberness to the whole thing, which seemed really weird because you often see players go down and get hurt, and people rush to the field to help them. But um, it was odd. You couldn't see what was going on because all the players were, were encircling him at this, this point. And then one of the commentators came on and said they're doing CPR. And so he had had cardiac arrest, and he had died right there on the field. And um, everybody was just beside themselves. They, they went to the, the studio, and, and as so often is the case, they say, you know, we're, we're sending up prayers for DeMar and his family um, but, but this was different. This was really different than anything I've ever seen. And moments later, they go back to the field, and now the ambulance is actually on the field, and, and they resuscitate him, and they stabilize him enough to get him on the ambulance and take him to the hospital where he has another cardiac arrest and um, been in, in critical condition the entire week. Finally, he's, he's um, regain consciousness, he's talking, and, and everything's looking good, like it's very hopeful. But um, one of the things that, that just struck me in that moment, once, um, you know, all human kind of expertise and, and um, just everything that, that the medical professionals could do in that moment, and it, Yet it wasn't enough. It doesn't, didn't appear. And everybody seemed to be at a loss. This time, instead of just saying we're lifting up our prayers, people started praying. And, and people in the, in the stands started circling up. Fans started circling up and praying for Damar. And um, it was powerful. And then uh, there was a scene after the, the ambulance left. Here's a picture of the Buffalo Bills. And, and one of the things that I was struck with, so there's the ambulance leaving, Notice, it's not just a few devout Christians that took a knee and were praying. It's the entire team. All the coaches, all the personnel, all the players, they're all praying. Again, when we have exhausted all of our human ability, we come to the realization that all we have left is God. And fortunately, the coaches and the players recognize that and they turn to God in prayer. And it was a powerful, powerful moment. Now, if that weren't enough, the next day on NFL Live on ESPN, uh, one of the commentators, Dan Orlovsky, did something that was unprecedented. And here's a clip of Dan. 
Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. That's good. You know, in that moment, Dan Orlovsky didn't care about losing his job. Or maybe he did care. But he was compelled by his faith to not just say, hey, we're lifting up our prayers. He was compelled to stop and to pray. And that was only 45 seconds. It was from the heart, wasn't it? It wasn't even the most eloquent of prayers. Honestly, he could have done a better job, you know. <laughs> but the, uh, <clears throat> but it, was, it was real, right? And it impacted millions upon millions of people. A short, heartfelt, 45-second prayer. And the world is abuzz. All he did, instead of saying he was going to pray, he prayed. That's it. And people are still talking about it. And they're still talking about it. Here's why I want to share this this morning. Because millions of people have been impacted by this one incident on a football field on Monday night. And millions of people have been praying to God. And here's what I've been thinking about. How many of them truly know the God that they're praying to? How many of them truly know the God that they're praying to? Last Thursday, I, I um, was working on the sermon. That's the day that I write it. And I, I went to Food Lion. And as I went in, I, so I went in that sort of the exit you know, and uh, that happened to be where the, the magazine rack is. And when I walked in, this was just staring me in the face. It's Life magazine, and it's a picture of Jesus, and it's him saying, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And so I, it caught my eye, and I thought, I'm going to buy that. And uh, so I picked it up, and, and I bought it. And, and I was just impacted by it. Because um, this is the question that he asked his disciples, and I think this is the question that he asked every single human being 
It's the most important question that you'll ever be asked. Who do you say Jesus is? And, you know, you can go buy this magazine and read what other people have to say about Jesus, and maybe that'll help answer your question as far as who do you say Jesus is. Um, You can go read other books about it. We've got books just down the hallway, some great books about Jesus that you can pick up and read. But you know what I, I would encourage you to do? To actually read the book that they reference, the Bible. Actually go to the source, read the Bible, and get to know Jesus for yourself. Because the best way to know who God is, is by reading his book. As he divinely inspired other men to write it down through the power of his Holy Spirit. If you want to know who God is, know who he's created you to be, then you need to read his book. But here's the thing. Here's what has struck me this week. The majority of the world is biblically illiterate. The majority of the world is biblically illiterate. Here's what's even worse. Many people who come to Christian churches on Sunday mornings who call themselves Christians are biblically illiterate. The reality is many of you sitting here today are biblically illiterate. You don't know the Bible. You haven't taken the time to really read it, to study it, and to apply it. And that should not be. You see, if, if I told you that, that a vast majority of our community was illiterate, you'd be up in arms, wouldn't you? The, the thought that, that our children or, or adults can't read and write, you, you would, you'd, you'd be in front of the Board of Supervisors or the school board, right? You would be demanding that something be done because this is not right in our day and time. And yet when it comes to biblical literacy... We're all right with it. It's okay to be biblically illiterate. I mean, we kind of only expect a select few leaders out there to really know the Bible, to read it, to study it, to apply it to their lives. And so for some reason, we have accepted biblical illiteracy as being okay, as being okay. And that should not be. That should not be. So... um, I want us to think about that this morning, and I want to encourage you that if you really want to know the God that that you pray to, that so many other people are praying to, that you get to know him through his word, that you learn who he says he is, what he's about, who he says you are, what you're to be about, what is your purpose. He reveals all that to you in his word. Become biblically literate. There's so much, so much great stuff in there. Um, I want to share with you from, from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, this is on page 1179, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it here. I actually want you to get the Bible out. So um, if, if you've got a phone, some of you guys have the Bible app on there, and that's what you use, feel free to pull that out. If you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles under the chairs. But let's actually get the Bible out and look at it in there. I think there's something powerful about opening up the Word and seeing it there. And then you may be um, moved to just read it in its greater context. But get it out. It's page 1179. So if you have a church Bible, page 1179. So we're 
getting towards the end of the Bible. You go um, far right on this, and I don't mean that politically. The, uh, just, you know, just go to the right, 1179, that's where you're going to find this. This is called the New Testament, and it's a letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to, it wasn't his biological son, but it was his, his son in the faith. It was a young man that he invested in deeply, a man by the name of Timothy. And this is a letter that, um, through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote to Timothy, but it was actually meant for each and every one of us. This is a letter that could have been written to you or to me, and it is so important that we listen to it. So um, oftentimes, if you've been in church for any, any period of time, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is what you've heard. I want you to hear it in, in a little greater context, so I want to begin at verse 10. Again, Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. He rescued me from all of them. In fact, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you hear that? Everybody that wants to live a godly life through faith in Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In that short passage, we see so much about the importance of not just reading the Bible, learning the Bible, and applying the Bible to our lives. You see here, that, that God is our rescuer, and he can rescue us from, from dire, dire situations. Um, it, it talks about persecution, that if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be persecuted because of your faith. You should expect that when you're going into it. You don't want to be surprised by it. It will affect you. But don't worry, because again, just as, as Paul experienced all kinds of persecution, all kinds of trials and tribulations, Jesus was always there with them to rescue them from it. So that's the encouragement. We find that our hope is found in this relationship with Jesus Christ like no other. And then it, it even tells us that the answers to the questions that we're all searching for, really, what is our, our purpose? Why, why do we exist? How do I live a good life, a righteous life? Like you find the answers in the Bible. It's in there. I, I love how it says in verse 16, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It didn't say some of the scripture. It said all scripture. So from the beginning to the end, it's all useful. It's all useful. Now, 
let's be honest, some of it you can understand and apply a little easier than some of the others, right? You know, I've, I've been a follower of Jesus now for 35 years, and for the most part, I've been studying the Scripture every day for that 35 years. And believe it or not, there is still a lot I don't understand. There's a lot that I do not understand as of yet. But it doesn't discourage me. It, it doesn't make me feel defeated. I don't want to just give up on it. No, it encourages me. It challenges me because I have come to realize I could read just this passage here for the next month and never wear it out. Like I could just keep digging deeper and deeper and learning more and more and more. That's how rich the scripture is. I mean, it is amazing. And so it compels me to, to seek God and to ask God, God, give me more wisdom. Give me more understanding. Give me discernment. It compels me to reach out to others, to be engaged in Bible study with other people, other men and women that are also seeking to know God, to know his truth. That's why, honestly, for 35 years, 35 years, I've been in a small group with other men. 35 years. That's why the entire 33 years that Carol and I have been married, we've been in a life group with other adults. 33 years, our entire marriage. It is so important for us to be in the word together and with others as well. See, God will reveal himself and reveal his truth as we seek him. He'll do that through the power of his Holy Spirit, but he also does it through each other, and he specifically does it through his word. If you want to know God, if you want to know yourself better, you got to know the word. you got to become biblically literate. It's critical. And, and the reason is found in verse 17. Um, it's interesting that over those 35 years, like my beliefs, a lot of my beliefs have changed. And, and a lot of my actions have changed too. You know why? Because um, this has become my standard. So, so now I, I don't try to read the word or judge the word through my own understanding no, I, I try to come to it and allow it to inform my understanding. So this is going to become my standard, whether it's politically correct or culturally acceptable, this is going to be my standard. This is what I'm going to build my life on. This is the truth that I'm going to believe and that I'm going to stand on. And it may not be popular. A lot of the things that it tells us in here right now are not popular in our day. But that's where I'm going to stand because Pop culture, political correctness, have you noticed that? It changes moment by moment. Like last week, to pray like that on TV, that dude would have been, you know, crucified, so to speak, right? People would have been tearing apart. Now, today, after that incident and his prayer, speak out against him now, right? The winds of change. The winds of change. Don't build your life on political correctness and pop culture, all right, build your life on this. And this is why it's so critical. Again, verse 17 says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's, I, that's what I want. Isn't that what you want? That, that you would be thoroughly equipped for every good work? Don't you want to live a good and right life? Well, did you know that this is the equipping tool through the power of the Holy Spirit? This is where you're going to learn how to live a godly life, a life that is pleasing to him, that is right. 
This is the source. We must be compelled to live that because I don't know about you, but I want my life to, to stand for more than just that I did some good things and, you know, had a good job and I had a nice family and, you know, I enjoyed a lot of the pleasures of the world like that. That's not enough. Like, I, I want my life to stand for something beyond this life. Like, after I'm gone, I, I want there to be a lasting effect. And the only way to have a lasting effect is through my faith being lived out. Don't you want the same? A life that matters, a life that is good, truly good, a life that is, is right and righteous. Well, this is how you discover it. This is how you discover it. Now, um, sometimes, and we hear this, I hear this all the time. You probably hear it too. Um, because none of us have all of our questions answered. Again, I want you to hear that and just embrace it. Nobody here has all the answers. And if you meet somebody that has all the answers, be on guard against them, you know, because if they think they got all the answers, they definitely don't have all the answers, right? Like, you got to be careful of that. You got to be wise and discerning. But you should be able, I don't care if this is your first day, if you accept Jesus right now and you open up the Bible and this is the first thing that you read, you can apply that to your life today. Don't wait for some time down the road. Don't wait till you retire and, you know, get old like me, you know, and, and then, then I'm going to apply that stuff. No, whatever you learn today, apply it today recognizing that you're never going to know everything, but you know enough. Right now, you know enough to begin to apply that and live it out, okay? No excuses. Let's get busy on living this thing out. Now, some of you guys may be sitting here and, and you're thinking, well, I don't know that I even believe in God. Some of you guys are watching online. I don't know that I believe in God. I don't know who I would say Jesus is. That's all right. That is okay. And if that's where you are, I think you're actually in a good place because you know that you don't know. You know that you don't know. And I want to share an encouraging story from a, a young man named Weston. And, and uh, Weston is uh, he, he's the grandson of Mark and Sue Vinson over here. Weston actually happens to be here, and I appreciate him coming. And uh, he gave me permission to share, and I see his mom over there and his girlfriend and sister, and so it's, it's a beautiful little row you got going on there. And uh, so Weston is not unlike the rest of us. We all have questions. We all have struggles, and many of them are not unique. Um, you know, to us, they're specific, but they're pretty general struggles that we have in life. And every one of us questions whether God is real. Even if you've been a believer and a follower for a long time, you have those moments. Maybe they're, they're just short, but you have those moments where you're like, is this, like, is this really real? I mean, this is kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, I believe in a dead man that rose from the grave. Like, I'm betting my life he was actually God in the flesh. And like, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? And, and yet, I, I'm like, but I know it's real. I know it from the scripture, and I know it from experience. I know this is real, right? So if you have those questions, don't, don't be fearful of that. Don't feel like you're odd or anything. And so um, one of the things I love about Weston, he was sharing some of these struggles and questions with his mom and, and with his grandmother, and, and both of them gave him similar advice. They said, Weston, if you want to know if God's real, just ask him. 
Like, ask him to reveal himself to you. Just ask. And so recently, you know, over the, the Christmas holidays, Weston went for a walk and down to the river by his brother's house and was sitting on the shore, and it was a beautiful day, and sitting there, and there was a little waterfall coming down, and, and Weston's a thinker. You know, he's like some of us, like he'd really get in your head a lot. Like, I, I can be on a five-hour car trip and think I, I shared a lot, and really I didn't speak at all. You know, I'm just having these conversations with myself. And, and so Weston just decided, you know what, I'm going to do that. And he said, God, if you're real, give me a sign. Show me. Now, God didn't pop out from a bush. <laughs> he didn't speak through a burning bush like he did with Moses or any of that. No, this is what God did. He just whispered to Weston. He said, Psalm 20. Psalm 20. How many of you guys know Psalm 20? Nobody. <laughs> Weston didn't know Psalm 20. I don't know Psalm 20 either. But you know what he did? He pulled out his phone because everybody has a phone, especially if you're a teenager, you have a phone. And fortunately, he had the Bible app on there, and he looked up Psalm 20. This is what Psalm 20 says. Hey, if you have a Bible and you want to look, it's page 542. Now we're on the left section. Right, like this is called the Old Testament, and this is a, a psalm by David. He was uh, a king, but he was a dude that really struggled with God. He struggled with his relationship with God. Sometimes he was on fire for God, and other times he was just distraught. I, I mean, whew. you know, I think he'd be on meds, honestly, if 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 he were living today. But anyhow, he, he like had these highs and these lows. I mean, he was just as real as real can be, and he just let it out. And, and this is what it says, verse 1. So remember, so Weston, he's struggling. He's trying to figure out, is God real? And God says this, verse 1, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. And Weston was like, thank you, God. I asked, and, and you just said, Psalm 20. Like, this is how God speaks to us so often is through his word. It goes on, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Some of this may not make a lot of sense because it's like Old Testament times. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Probably you're not doing burnt offerings, and if you are, stop. The, um, the, uh, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over every victory. You can still do that and lift up our banners in the name of, God, of our God. That's great. May the Lord grant all your requests. And then this is relevant today, I think, as well. Now, this I know, this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up. We rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. Weston cried out, God, show me if you're real. Give me a sign. And God answered him. Psalm 20. Psalm 20. It's powerful. It's powerful, and I love how, you know, if you keep reading, I think God was revealing to Weston, like, you're one of my anointed. You're one of my anointed. I've chosen you. I've set you apart. 
I, I want you to know that. I want you to follow me. And, and Weston, I want you to know persecution is going to come your way. Just like, like Paul said to Timothy, you're going to get persecuted if you choose to follow me. It's not very popular, even though this week it is, to pray at least. You're one of my anointed. You're one of my anointed. God will reveal himself to you. I, I love this too. So a couple days later, Weston got a puppy. Do you know what he, he named that puppy? River. Do you know why he named him River? Because he wanted to commemorate that moment when God showed himself to him. You know, so every time he sees that little puppy and is yelling at that little puppy, like, like he's like calling on the name of the Lord, really. He's like, River, thank you, Lord, for showing yourself to me. You know, like it is just constant now. Like that moment will ever be with him as long as that puppy is with him. And the memories of that puppy will always inspire the memories of that day by the river when he cried out to God and God revealed himself. How cool is that? You got the puppy in that cute? Not as cute as mine from last week, but close, you know, the uh, good job. The, uh, but, but it's a beautiful story, isn't it? And I want it to be an encouraging story because what is true for Wesson can be true for you. If you just cry out to the Lord, if you're wondering, God, are you real? Just ask him, show me. Will you just show me and trust that he will? You just need to be listening because sometimes it'll just be a, a whisper and it may be something like Psalm 20. And you may say, God, I don't know what Psalm 20 is. It's like, look it up. Look it up. Okay? I, I want to encourage you guys. We're all going to have to answer this question from Jesus, who do you say I am? Every one of us. Um, actually, Jesus asked his, I would call, consider him his closest follower, guy by the name of Peter, and Matthew wrote it down. Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus said, who do you say I am, Peter? And to that, Peter replied, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Lots of people have different answers. Some of you will say, like Peter, you are the Messiah. You are my savior. Others will say, you know, I think Jesus was a good guy. Others will say, I think he was a prophet. Others will say, I think he was just a mythological character, like Zeus or Thor in case you didn't know, like, they're not real, okay? <laughs> Even though you see them in the movies all the time, they're not real, all right? But, but everybody has a different answer, potentially, for who you say Jesus is. And that's the most important question you're going to have to answer. I think you're going to find the answer in this book. And this is why we need to become biblically literate. A couple Helpful hints. So here's what I want you to do if you haven't done it already. If you have a phone, which everybody probably does have a phone, um, make sure that you download the Bible app. And I want to encourage you to download a different app. And whether you have a phone or not, you can do this on your computer too. There, there's another app called Through the Word. And so um, here's, here's what it looks like. So if you go to the app store, Through the Word is on the left. It's got this Bible open up with some flames coming from it. Really cool there over here. Um, is the U version of the Bible app. It just says Holy Bible. Download both of those. This would be my suggestion. Then there's a great plan from Through the Word that's called Through the um, New Testament in a Year. New Testament in a Year. And on the left-hand side over here, if you notice, um, 
What you can do, that's through the, the YouVersion Bible app, so you can get this same plan either through the Word, through their app, or on the YouVersion Bible app. If you do the YouVersion um, Bible app, then what you can do is not just do this by yourself, but you can invite friends to do it with you. And I would encourage that. It's always better to do it with friends. And when you use the, the Bible app on version, you'll go through it in the day, and then there's a place where you put your comments. And those are shared with everybody. That is part of the plan that you've invited to be a part of, all right? So you do it with friends. And so you're not only learning from uh, the commentary, so there's going to be some commentary that begins, they explain what's going on, then you read um, that chapter for that day, and then you can comment on, and so can your friends. It's really beneficial. So I want to encourage you to do that. This is just the New Testament in a year. Great way to start and become biblically literate. Anyhow, this is it. I, I believe that we're, we are in a moment right now. It's been six days since you know, that, that event on the football field. Six days, and people are still talking about it. And I think we have a moment here that can change really the course of our culture and how we're living right now. I believe we have this opportunity to really take a stand for what is right and for what is true. Because when the Buffalo Bills gathered together on the field, I don't think anybody stood up and goes, is this politically correct? Like, is this gonna offend anybody here? Is it gonna be offensive? Like when Dan was, was deciding to pray, do you think he cared about offending somebody? No, because he knew it was right. He knew it was true. And if he's going to offend them, then he's going to offend them with the truth. He's going to offend them with God. And then they're going to have to deal with that. And I think we've got to determine, like, what are we going to base our beliefs on? What are we going to base our actions on? Because right now, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with it, to be honest. Like, we're letting political correctness and whatever's pop popular in culture right now, like that's determining everything. Like we're bending to that. You know, you know what difference it would make? Like if you're dealing with a coworker, or you're a teacher and you're dealing with a student and you just took a 45 second break and you prayed for them. I, I think it would be more profound than anything else, but so many of us are fearful. We're afraid we're gonna lose our job, that this is not allowed and stop. Like we need to just stop and, and just pray and know the God that we're praying to. We need to become biblically literate people. And we need to quit accepting that it's okay to be biblically illiterate. Parents, you would not allow that for your children today. You would not allow your children, you would not stand for your children to be illiterate. But yet, many of you have, have allowed your children to become biblically illiterate. And it's probably because you are as well. And so you can't teach them what you don't know. Well, you know what? I've said this many times before. Just get a children's Bible and start reading that to them. I've learned more through the children's Bible than pretty much any other Bible because it's just clear and it's concise. When I'm teaching my children when they were little, I was learning more than they were probably. So just get into the Word. Let's become biblically literate so that when we're posed with the question, who do you say Jesus is? You can say, he's my Lord and he's my Savior. Let's pray. Lord, 
Thanks for um, what you're doing in, our, in this moment, um, in our country and around the world, I believe. And, and we pray that we would just really become um, firm in, in the foundation of our faith, that we would know the word and that we would stand on the word, that we would allow the word to inform us and not us trying to inform the word, that we wouldn't allow culture to, to be changing it and, and determining what is true and how we define things like love. Lord, may your word be the thing that defines everything there is about us. Lord, may we come to know you more personally, more deeply, more truthfully. Lord, we pray that we would be changed and that we would take a stand. Lord, no more. No more. No more, Lord. No more allowing the world to dictate. No more. Thank you for the courage of men and women who have taken time to pray for Damar. Thank you for the men and women who have been bold enough to potentially put their jobs on a line like Dan and, and pray. Not just say we're going to pray, but to pray. May we become a people of prayer that are grounded, that are rooted in the truth that is found in your word. We ask it all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.